Hi there, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Alternative Investing Podcast. My mission is to help business owners build high performance wealth that delivers reliable, predictable cash flow through unconventional strategies so they can fast track their path to financial freedom. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews and real people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. And if you're a business owner who wants to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews, and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. So, hey guys, I'm very excited about this particular episode of the podcast. This is something that's been, you know, marinating in my mind for a long time, but imagine you've got two investors, two people who start at the same time, same incomes, and yet 10 years later, one had hit their financial goals and one was still 25 years away. What was the difference? So guys, I've spoken to a number of investors over the last few weeks and there's so many things that come up in my mind as far as not only how are they behaving differently, how are they thinking differently. And it's really kind of led me to pick out two people whom I think are excellent case studies. Obviously, I'm going to change their names, but I really wanted to drive home what I see as being the key differences between these two investors. So one clearly just had a game plan, hit their goals. The other one had a game plan, has not hit their goals. So what were they doing? What were they thinking? What was the difference? Why did one have you know a disproportionately higher rate of success than the other? And so this is what I really want to unpack today. So first of all, let me kind of give you some context. So these two people started out investing at the same time. They had identical incomes coming out of their business or identical salaries, whichever way you want to look at it. And over a block of 10 years, one had pretty much hit their goals and the other one had not. And if you applied the concept of, you know, future pacing, which I've talked about in other podcasts, the other one was still 25 years away. Now, both of these guys have invested in education, different kinds of education, though. There's a little asterisk on there, different kinds of education. And I'll, I'll come to what I see the differences are. Both had, on average, put a similar amount of time each year into their investing endeavors. And I would argue that both are similarly bright in, t- in terms of intelligence and access to resources. So there was no, on the surface level, no outward difference in terms of their capacity to create wealth. It's not like one of them was earning tons more than the other. They basically had a similar starting point. So if I were to articulate from a personality point of view, uh, maybe some of the differences, I think from a starting point, both of them had clarity on why they were investing. Both of them wanted to create wealth. They wanted to build wealth and both of them aspired to create financial freedom. I think the first person that I'm referring to, we'll call them investor one. Investor one not only had absolute clarity on what they wanted to achieve, but also a buy when. And the other investor knew what they wanted to achieve, kind of just in general had an idea that it should be as soon as possible, but maybe weren't quite as precise with uh, the when. So there's a little bit of uh, importance around the when. But if I kind of focus more at the, the big level, there are really, in my mind, two major differences between investor one and investor two. One of the things I'm really mindful of when I look around the landscape of education and information 
in the property and wealth space is I feel that there is a lot of like there's an avalanche of information and I've certainly mentioned that before. And so the greatest challenge for anyone wanting to build wealth I think is actually just wading through this, you know, sometimes I'm going to say crap. Some of it's crap. Some of it's really great information. Some of it will serve you and some of it will not serve you. Some things will be a distraction while other things can be the critical information that is the difference that makes the difference. So as the lay person, as the lay investor, how do you distinguish between the two? And I guess when I refer to these two guys, these, uh, and I'm not saying they're necessarily boys, by the way, I'm just saying guys in the generic sense, investor one had a much much stronger focus on strategy from the get-go. So when they were looking to kick off their investment journey, the focus was on what game plan do I need to have to get me from where I am to where I want to be in 10 years. The other investor tended to focus a little bit on tactics. You know, what is the property cycle doing now? What is the best deal I can do today without giving context to the overarching strategy? And I'll give you an example of this because it's certainly something that I've seen a lot of investors do. And I work a lot with younger investors and I counsel them on the need to constantly be weighing up the difference between staying out of the market because you can't quite afford a quality investment property versus jumping in and just trying to get your foot in the door straight away. Now, I'm certainly not arguing that one is better than the other, but what I am suggesting is that it's not necessarily complex mathematics to work out if I'm here today, if I buy this property, where am I likely to be in five to 10 years time? And yet most investors don't ever do that. They kind of just go, well, odds are this property will do this. My cash flow today is this. So I'm going to jump in because I can afford it. That's just one example of um, maybe being more tactical rather than strategic. So I, I guess if I were going to kind of delineate some points around strategy, first of all, is really making sure you ask yourself, what investments do I need to get me to the outcome that I want in the time frame that I want. What that question will automatically do is help you put a line through maybe investments or tactical ideas which are not congruent with your bigger strategy. Like for example, let's say Investor2 has gone out and purchased a whole lot of cheap units in areas where the market has been typically very flat. So the volume of properties they hold might be higher and maybe the growth they've had over the last decade has been nominal because they've chosen to buy in areas that they can afford where you know, as soon as they get a minimum viable deposit, they're back to the banks asking for more lending. And so that person may have, you know, from a, a net capital point of view, also created less capital. The other investor might have said, well, I could either go out and buy a whole bunch of cheap units, or I can focus in on buying what I think are investment properties that are likely to have the highest probability of you know, solid growth in the current environment. And then they go out looking for that. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, what that can mean is that you have to hold off on jumping into a property for a year or two because you haven't quite got the deposit together. Now, depending on your school of thinking, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying it's time in the market that matters. And that is on the whole, probably true. But what I would say is you still got to bear in mind that if you purchase lemons, if you purchase underperforming assets, then that completely negates that statement. So 
being really clear about the outcome that you want and making sure that every investment that you take on is in alignment with that. You know, you're really needing to ask yourself the question, how do I find the deals that get me to the capital base that I want in order for me to then make decisions about how to ramp up cash flow? And that's an example of how to look at it more from a strategic viewpoint. The other thing is, I think people in general get confused about the difference between tactics and strategies. There's lots of tactics that I can give someone in terms of how do you go about finding a premium deal when it's a very much a, a seller's market as it is right now. And so there's lots of tactics that I can give you. But unfortunately, what a lot of people are selling is the sizzle associated with tactics like how do I get you a quick win? How do I help you find one deal that's going to get you an inch of the way towards your overall goal? And I don't disagree that those things are useful. What I'm suggesting though is they're only useful in the context of having a bigger game plan in terms of what you're trying to achieve and how you're going to get there. I guess in summary, make sure when you're consuming information that you do say, well, clearly this is tactical information or Clearly, this is strategic information and be clear on how it's going to influence you in terms of your next move. Make sure that you're able to stomach, and I just want to kind of put a nice bow on what I said earlier, make sure you're able to stomach being out of the market in order to leverage into better deals if that's in alignment with your goals. Next is, you know, in terms of being strategic, be super clear about your risk appetite. You know, the strategic investor is super clear about the amount of risk that they're prepared to take. Obviously, never ever invest from a space of FOMO. And then the final piece around being strategic that I just want to mention is that I truly believe that everybody needs to have a set of investment rules. I have a, a system that I apply to everything that I do around my investing, whether it's thinking about a prospective tenant or identifying a potential deal or vetting any kind of deal flow. It's very rare that you know I bend those rules or deviate from those rules. And the beauty of having a set of predefined rules is it means that you're not susceptible to emotion. So many of us think in the rational way when it comes to, you know, how we run our businesses, the way we approach work matters. And then when we invest, often the emotion comes into play and, and logic goes out the window or emotion will overshadow the logic is probably a better way of saying it. So investor number one in this instance was um, extremely clear about all those things. So I'll just do a quick recap. So they, they knew the outcome they wanted. So this is all in the context of being focused on being strategic. They knew the outcome they wanted and they knew the timeline. They focused on deals that got them to the capital base they needed sooner rather than trying to just build up a high volume of deals or investment properties for the sake of you know, volume. You know, this idea of 10 properties in 10 years, I think has massively dated and isn't necessarily the, the silver bullet to get you to financial freedom. They spent time understanding the difference between um, strategy and tactics. They were able to stomach maybe having to forego being in the market in order to leverage into better deals. They were really clear on their risk appetite. They didn't let money burn a hole in their pocket, so they never invested from FOMO, and they had investment rules that aligned with their strategy. So all of those points kind of, for me, sit under the umbrella of being strategic. So that is one massive difference with all the little parts that make that up. The other component, the, the other component in terms of the difference between investor one and investor two 
which I think has a massive contribution to their their outcome is their focus on relationship building. And those of you who've who've kind of tuned into my previous episode, The Lone Wolf, will kind of understand this, is that I think too many of us build wealth as a silo. We think we need to do everything ourselves, understand everything ourselves. And to some degree, you know, there's an element of, yes, you need to understand the components and the mechanics of wealth building, but the smartest investors are the ones who make sure they are making informed decisions that they understand. They never invest in things they don't understand. They certainly don't speculate uh, unless they're doing it intentionally, I should a little asterisk on that because maybe a lot of you have had a punt on things like you know uh, bitcoin and other associated products but the the primary thing is the focus that investor one has had on relationship building i was talking to someone over the weekend who has recently gone out and purchased their first home and it has been an incredibly stressful experience as i completely and i have so much empathy for first homeowners who are trying to crack into the market right now. But one of the things that I've kind of counseled a number of first-time investors on is how you go about positioning yourself to purchase your first home. And and frankly, the ideas are, that I share around that are no different to whether you're buying your first property or your 10th or 15th investment property. The, the rules around relationship building are the same. If you focus on building relationships in markets, in areas where the sorts of deals that you want to do exist, then you are immediately giving yourself a cutting edge over someone who just, and I know this is uh, the wrong metaphor maybe, but bring takes the seagull approach to investing, you know, flies in, shits all over everything and then flies out. I think that I originally heard that metaphor in the context of parenting, but it certainly applies to investing as well, where you see, I think, Maybe if I describe this from another viewpoint that, you know, if you think about the way the world works, if you're a real estate agent, if you're a deal maker, if you are someone who is looking for investor participation in some way in a deal that you're putting together, what you want is you want to deal with people who, number one, know what they're doing, who understand the numbers, who are not time wasters or tire kickers. And please understand there's nothing wrong with being an exploratory person and having curiosity, but there's a big difference between that and being someone who just kicks the tires and wastes people's time or picks people's brains just to, you know, get ahead. One of the things that I would say in relationship building is if you're talking to any of these kinds of guys who are putting deals together, real estate agent, whatever, they want to be dealing with people, as I said, who know their stuff, who are respectful, who value relationship, who are upfront and honest about who they are, where they are, what they're looking for, what they're like to deal with, what their real timelines are, what their real buying limits are, what their real aspirations and goals are. And so maybe for some people, particularly here in Australia and New Zealand, we have a tendency to play our cards close to our chest. And uh, I guess what I'm saying is, and I'm, I'm saying this probably because other people have observed it in me and so now I'm able to articulate it, but it's a type of vulnerability in a sense, but it's really about just being transparent and being respectful of other people's time, of other people's expertise and bringing some humility and being humble in situations where you know that there's time sensitivity, there's a lack of supply, or maybe you're just 
you know, looking for relationships that, you know, maybe aren't for the here and now, but maybe for the future. The reason I'm bringing this up as the second major difference between investor one and investor two is investor one is playing the long game. One of the things I experience from talking to dozens of investors every year is this reality that I think you know, and I, I get it. Like we subscribe to this view of fake it till you make it. And so what I do is I experience people who are talking a big game and I get it. I get that too. But I think there's way more value in being humble and saying, look, maybe I don't know it all, but here's what I know. And here's what I'm looking for. Can you help? And that's a very different approach to investing and building relationships than the person who flies in and says, look, I already know all this stuff and I'm looking for this deal and I want this deal. So, you know, I don't want to unpack that too much, but maybe that will be a topic for a future episode because I really want the focus today to be on strategy versus strategy and relationship building and how I see that being the two biggest contributors to success when you're comparing investor one and investor two scenarios. You know, maybe in a future episode, I'll unpack a little bit more about, you know, the approach that I've taken to relationship building and why I, I think if you can do it well, it will serve you not only for finding your next deal, but it will serve you for the rest of your life and even beyond. So anyway, guys, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. I really hope this was valuable. I hope this has unpacked or uncovered maybe an insight into why some people really nail it and get ahead and others maybe flounder. It's certainly not unusual for me to speak to investors who've been doing it for a long time, who are floundering, who aren't getting the results they want and they can't work out why. And so these blind spots that people have is really, again, part of why we're, you know, on this journey with this podcast is really to help people understand, you know, from an anecdotal point of view, what am I witnessing? What am I seeing? How do I see? What are the, you know, subtle edges that people are giving themselves to create exponential gains over time. So I might pack it up there. Awesome to share this information with you. Super, super grateful. And uh, yeah, look forward to connecting with you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're a business owner feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.